So tonight it's going to be a little bit different, more. Um, have you ever heard of conversational ministry? <laughs> yeah, so uh, my brother John is with me. He's from Sienekal. And uh, um, the Lord just put, yo, he's brought us together in amazing ways um, and just are sending us out like arrows um, together across the nation. And uh, we're seeing healing. We're seeing a nation, um, uh, you know, being drawn into God's presence, a unity of faith. Um, and uh, God is actually using the cultural diversity, racial diversity, so tonight we're going to touch a little bit on this, um, and uh, uh, you know, this morning we talked a lot about the fact that there's so many wounds in South Africa, um, you know, and the nation needs healing. Uh, people are bleeding in terms of wounds, um, many wounds in the past, many things in the, uh, at, the, at the present. Um, and we are healers. We are the hands and feet of Jesus. But we don't know how to heal. We see the brokenness, but we feel so, what can I do? You know? So I think tonight's conversation is going to help us understand um, how to go about this. Because this nation needs bridge builders. It needs peacemakers. It needs healers to rise up and not just be reactive and deal with when there's a massive crisis, but be proactive on the front foot, moving into communities, and the voices of healing, voices of restoration. Now, John, just to give you context, um, John is based in Sienekal, but um, I don't know if some of you were this morning, he shared a bit about his testimony, but um, uh, there was an almost a civil war in Sienekal. You had the EFF coming in with buses. Malema was there. And the pangas and the weapons and the stuff were ready. You had the farmers from the other side driving in with buckies and uh, long rifles ready. There were snipers on the hills of Sienekal ready. This morning he heard, he was in one of the fasira, what is that good in English? Yeah, uh, scopes. <laughs> It's not so nice to hear you in the crosses. <laughs> but um, um, it shows you how real this is. And God used John to bring that whole community together. And um, the Old Testament is available. You can just Google uh, the, the Sienekal story. And I encouraged him, John, you need to write a book. Because this needs to be documented. Because if God can do it in Sienekal, he can do it um, in all over South Africa. In George. And all over South Africa. So um, I know sometimes, and especially I see, of course, there's a lot of young people that you, you think, well, race, racism and racial issues is not so much a big thing for me, you know. Um, and many of us as Christians, I think uh, we are there. We are not at a place where we are racist. We embrace one another and whatever. But the thing is, we can be in a bubble. And it feels like, you know, things are fine, man, you know, while the nation is bleeding, while people are attacking one another, where they see each other as enemies. You know, every farm murder stirs up emotion. Every township murder, everything that stirs up emotion. And we are so out of touch with that kind of reality. So tonight's going to bring a bit of perspective on how to engage, how to be you know, on the front foot as healers in our nation. 
So, John, um, I want to start off, and we're going to have conversation, but just as the Holy Spirit lead, because there's so many things actually one can cover with this. The focus is healing the nation. Time to rise to heal the nation, because healing is necessary. Um, you can only go so far. You need to attend to the wounds first, and then you can go further. But we go further together as brothers, as sisters, as you know, united in Christ. But that's not always that easy when you walk out these church doors. So, uh, um, so, so John, this morning, something that you shared touched my heart. Um, I think it's a verse from uh, 1 John um, 4 or 5, speaking about um, you cannot say that you love God and you hate your brother. 1 John 4.20. You can't say that you love God and you hate your brother. It says there that how can you say you love God that you don't see and you say you don't love your brother that you can see? You know, the Bible says you're a liar. And it talks about your brother. So it's believers he's talking about. So, John, this is a, a major thing. And I think... Um, this needs to be addressed. Um, it's even among Christians very often. How do we uh, cross the divide? What are the, you know, what, what's the thing in your heart? How do we, um, not just, it's not just about accepting somebody. It's loving somebody. Love, love is a strong thing. It means you go out of your way for somebody. That's what love means in a relational context. And uh, just, I would love to hear just your heart and your views on this. How do we um, cross this divide and start with this new um, mindset, mentality of going out of our way for each other? And why is it necessary? Why do we need to? Why can't we just move on? Everybody says it's just, let's move on. Um, why do we need to be intentional about this? Thank you so much, um, Arno and... Uh Yes, um, this is not my first time in George, but this is my first time in Shova Church. And what a blessing this church is. If we can just give God praise for Shofar's church. Amen. Hallelujah. The worship a, is it's amazing. It's a lighthouse. Yeah, Amen. it's a lighthouse. Definitely a lighthouse. The worship is amazing and the people are amazing. And it's such a privilege to have people that we can have these conversations because really... These are very, very critical conversations that we need to have, especially brothers to brothers and sisters to sisters. I'm reminded of that scripture that says, you know, when, um, you know, people of God began to have conversation, talking to each other, scroll was open in the heavens, you know, and that's very powerful that when we have this conversation, this powerful conversation, we are also engaging heaven in what we are actually discussing on earth. So we're moving heaven. Heaven is getting ready to, to, to push whatever the agenda that is coming as is influenced by the Holy Spirit. So this is very powerful. Um, the, the, the ministry of, of bridge building and, and reconciliation um, is not only something that is close to my heart, but it's something that I know is a calling for each and every Christian. It is actually God's calling 
And I know the word reconciliation has actually been hijacked by politicians and, you know, everywhere where you go when you talk about um, reconciliation, people kind of close off. You know, they don't want to hear anything because it has been misused. And there's so many of these words that are, that are um, really God's words and, and, and terminology that the world has captured and given a different meaning. And I just want to read this scripture before I, I go into that, um, um, I don't know, in Second Corinthians, a very famous scripture. Um, chapter 5 from verse 7. It actually starts verse 17. I love it. Um, it says, uh, this is somebody's Bible, so I'm just, I'm seeing Peter here. <laughs> Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. Hallelujah. The old has passed away and see the new has come. And then verse 18, it says, everything is from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That in Christ, God was reconciling the world to him, to himself, not continuing their trespasses against them. And he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. So from this verse, it's very clear. The, the ministry of reconciliation is the ministry of the church. It is part of our discipling the nation. And especially if you look in South Africa where there is so many wounds. And, and this, is, this is very important that we, we talk about the wounds because we are a wounded nation. We are a wounded nation in terms of what happened in the past. There were wounds that a lot of people are carrying and a lot of reaction that you also see on, on, on the news, on TV, everywhere. It is because there is a wound that has not been healed. But to even make it worse now, we, we, the new generation, the post-1994 generation is also having wounds. And the big question that we need to ask ourselves, who's going to heal the wound in South Africa. We even have, listen to this, leaders who are wounded. And wounded people continue to break stuff. People who are not healed, they bring that wound into, into others. And we're expecting that South Africa will be all right. No, it will not. But how do we come into that place where we are healed as a nation? It starts with the church. But the question is, is the church healed? Are we in the place as the church that we can minister that healing to the nation? And, and I think that is, that is the big question that we need to answer tonight to say, you know, am I healed? And I just want to tell a little bit of story of my, um, you know, how God challenged me with the story of Brendan Horner in Sienega. I've been pastoring from um, 2000, 2000, I'm nearly like 20 years a pastor. You know, that's, that's my life. I've never done anything uh, but ministry and pastoring. When I finished my high school, I went straight into the ministry. So I'm still young. I'm 40 years 
But um, yeah, I've been, I've been in the church. <laughs> and I've always thought that I am free. I don't have racism. You know, I, I embrace everyone and I never thought I have a problem until I saw the, the face of Brendan Horner on Facebook. And God challenged me and said to me, why haven't you spoken against the injustice and the evil that is happening in this country? And you call yourself a child of God. You are a Christian. And then I realized that we are growing up in a society that has conditioned us to only think about our people. We've got a thing about my people. Us and them. If it doesn't affect my people, it's not my business. What happens on the other side of the road, I don't have any part to play in it. And then I realized there and then that I, I've been carrying this bias complex in me without even realizing. And I think that that is something that we need to talk about is, as the church. Do we care enough to be not only the feet and the hands of Jesus because that is also very easy to go out and to feed the poor and to do all this good stuff. But are we also the face of Christ? It's different things because when you are the feet, anybody can be a feet in South Africa. Anybody can feed the poor. Anybody can get involved in the, in the community. But can people really experience Jesus Christ when they see us? When they come into our presence as children of God, can people be, their life, can their life be impacted? And I think that's, that's, that's the journey that I had to take. And I truly believe that the healing of South Africa, Arnold, really is in the church. The church can bring the healing in so many levels. But we need to ask the question, are we healed ourselves to bring that healing? And this morning, as I conclude, this morning I was chatting with one of our friends, Devald. We, we were talking about masks, you know, putting up masks. That we've got all these masks that we have in our closets for every situation and for every occasion. You know, there's a mask for church. <laughs> Come on, brother. <laughs> so, amen. So, yeah. Bless you, my brother. Bless you. Bless you. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. So, you know, you always have. Um, when you go to church, you have to choose. So now I'm going to put up um, a church mask. And you know, this sort of a shift so that you can be able to interact with the churchy people. And once that is over, you take the mask off and then you put on your private mask. You know, this is me and my family and don't mess up with me. You know, when you go to work, you put up the work mask. 
So, and, 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 you know, the whole thing is, can we, and we were singing, and I think Lucas actually said something very powerful, and it really touched my heart. He says, can we just give, you know, surrender those crowns that we have? Somebody said that. I don't know if it was Lucas or anybody or the worship leader. Can we also take the masks and surrender it to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm tired of wearing this mask. My, my community is bleeding. My nation is broken. I've been praying because sometimes even when we pray, we pray through these masks. Eh? And that's all that God sees. This is just a, a normal thing that you do go into church. I don't know. I'm, I'm actually killing our conversation. No, 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 sorry. no, no, no. I love it. I love it. Thank you, John. So uh, we had a meeting in Senegal some time ago, many leaders from across South Africa, about over 100. Um, and uh, one of the initiatives that came out of that is called the, the Simunye Challenge. And it's all about um, um, starting to build the bridge with somebody from a different race. And we are going to encourage this. It's going to be like a movement across the nation. Because we tend to have comfort zones, John. And this is time, a part of time to rise. Because the body of Christ needs to awaken in our callings um, as we become more intentional. I mean, the Bible says in Acts 17 verse uh, 26, um, and he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings so they should seek the Lord. From one blood, um, Genesis um, 9 verse 19 says, all the nations came from the three sons of Noah, you know. So, um, so, so we look at our communities and we see the diversity and we are often, you know, challenged uh, because, as you say, you're more concerned about your own group of people. I mean, if I look at you, I see you shine blue tonight. But anyway, <laughs> with these lights. Blue John. Yeah, blue John. So, John, yeah, I think um, one of the things, what the, and I'm glad you mentioned, it's up to the body of Christ. It's the church that has the, let's say, the serum. The, the healing hands, uh, the, the face of Jesus, the ability to bring deep change. Remember, we've had political change. We've had, uh, you know, economic changes. But everything seems to be surface level. And the church's focus has been on survival and just being there and being church and whatever. But have we really taken up this baton of saying, listen, we want to bring deep change unite our people, uh, bring different cultures together, being intentional about this so that healing can sit in deeply. So, John, um, if you can just maybe share a little bit because for me it's important to hear also from, a, from your and your cultural perspective. You know, um, what are the, 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 the when we want to build bridges, what are the key things we need to attend? We know we need to include bride. Brai is very important, you know. <laughs> Brai, if you want to build a bridge. But from there, what, what, what would you say are the key things? And now you're a civil engineer. 
How do we build those bridges and, and become intentional, and not just for the purpose of a bridge is built, but drawing each other closer? Because when the body of Christ becomes this united force, we will be unstoppable in South Africa. The healing will set in every aspect. In, uh, you know, wherever we move in our communities, in every sphere of society, we will see real change. And that's us, the church, that can bring that real change by being God's instruments. Um, but what would you say are the key things um, in, when, we, when we want to build intentional bridges? Sure. Thank you, Arno. Um, I, think, I think, you know, besides just being a child of God, because, I mean, that's something that needs to flow out of your heart. It shouldn't be something difficult to... To, to be able to, to connect. I mean, there's plenty of scriptures that talks about yeah, love your neighbor, but it, it even goes further, it says love your enemy. But on the practical side, I, I, I want to use the experience that we had in Senegal, even though it's not a perfect, um, you know, uh, sort of uh, a plan because it's a working process. But we have really seen... Um, real relationships starting to form. I remember the Human Rights Commission, they came to Senegal and they said, um, after the whole issue with, with farmers and banning the, the, you know, the police van and stuff, they said, listen, there's a problem here. Um, there's a racial problem. We need to have dialogue. We need to bring the community together. We need to talk about this thing. And, and I said to, to the commissioner, I said, I don't think that, will, that is actually the solution. Especially at this time, you can't start with the dialogue when people are angry. You can't do that because if you do that, then you're going to put gasoline into that fire. But anyway, they said, you know, they know how to do this stuff, so this is going to work. We said, okay, you're welcome, you can do it, but I'm not going to be part of that. And anyway, they had their dialogue. They called, you know, some of the people there, but it was a mess. Even the farmers had to walk out of that dialogue because the wounds are still open. How do you bring two groups that are wounded and you want them to talk? <laughs> it's just impossible. But what the Lord has given us, and I think this is very, very, very powerful, especially when we want to build a community, uh, I mean, you can also look how you ca we can implement this on the personal level. So we said there's a lot of brokenness that is happening in Senegal. Um, we need to identify what are called unity projects. Stuff, anything that affects both community. And I mean, in this South Africa, we've got plenty of this stuff. I mean, I don't know you here in George, in the Western Cape, it seems like you don't have a lot of this stuff that we have up there in the free state with the portals. But one of the things was, a portal is a problem. It's affecting everyone. It's affecting both the white community and the black community. Service delivery in terms of water and all this stuff they affect us. For the first time in South Africa, we all have the same problem. Thank God. <laughs> so we don't have a, you know, black problem anymore. We don't have a white problem. We've got a South African problem. So ESCOM is a South African problem. It's not a, 
a black problem, a white problem. So sometimes God allows these things because he wants to take the nation somewhere. So earlier this morning, I spoke about, um, you know, God allowing this situation as an opportunity for, for his church to arise. So once we did that, Arno, identifying those projects, we said, let's, let's unite around these problems, how we can solve these problems. So now, this is very important because as a black person, I know water is very important. And that is something that is close to our hearts. And we know water is very important for the white community, especially the old age um, people that are struggling there with, with, with water. So nobody has got issue with that. So people come together. As they come together and they begin to work together, that creates an environment where relationships happen naturally. And that for us was like, a miracle, because I can tell you um, there is a, a wonderful guy by Petrus. Petrus is a taxi boss. He's, he's the chairman of the taxi association there in Senegal. And you know, taxi people are very tough, eh? So taxi and the farmers are the same. You know, you don't mess up with the taxi guy. When you see him, he's driving there, you better, you have to give him away because he owns that road. You don't mess up with the farm. You know, you, you farmers don't want, don't, don't beat about the bush. So what we saw is that now relationship began to form even between these two people. So Pietres and Gheel Baker, you know Gheel Baker. Yeah, yeah. You know, Gheel is as a boor as it can get. You know, he's, he's grew up in that, in that environment, even though he's an academic, but he's a very tough oak. But to see the relationship of Pietres, Minyazo, and Gil, and I mean, it's, it's like, how can you, how, how, how possible is this? It's because people identified a problem and they united around that issue to solve it. As they worked together to solve an issue, a relationship was born. And I think as the church, we must also, you know, identify those opportunities that can bring that healing. And then when you have that kind of relationship, then you can have conversations like this. Because my, I, now I have a relationship with you. I know your heart. So I can ask you and say, tell me, um, um, Arna, I mean, how do you, how do you guys, from, from your community perspective, how do you look at the whole thing of of racism, you know, how do you take it? You know, what do you feel about it? Because now I, I know your heart. But we cannot have that, that conversation before we can create an environment where we can have those conversations. I mean, you see these um, uh, television shows where they're trying to, to have the conversation with people. It's always a mess. People walk out of that show without any agreement. I've never seen one show, especially in South Africa, where people are addressing these issues, where at the end of that show, all the people saying, we are agreeing. This is what we're going to build when we work out of here. So it means the method is wrong. But I think as the church, we can begin to create those opportunities and environment where relationship can begin to form. One of the main things that we are called to do as the church is to connect. 
is to connect people. And that is so important. Just also just to say, listen, John, I, 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 just, I have this guy. I want you to meet this person. Let's go and have a, a cup of coffee with this person. It helps to also expose people in a different environment. That's, that's the key. John, I'm just reminded here, and this is part of, you know, the ways to build bridges. Um, and also what you say, let's take the masks off. How do you take the mask off? One word, confession. Confession. Look at the power of this. Uh, James 5, verse 16. Confess your trans, uh, trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Huh? So confession is linked to healing. You know? Um, and, and, and one tend to think, well, I don't have anything to confess. But once you you know, speak and you connect, you realize, listen, I have a lot of prejudices I wasn't aware of. I have a lot of perceptions about you as a black man, I as a white man, you know, perceptions, as you say, society conditions us, they call it subliminal conditioning. Without realizing you are being programmed, you know, not intentional, but unintentionally it shapes you. And therefore we don't cross the bridges. They, um, you know, for instance, um, I mean, and you can say for, for black people, there's a real issue around the economic inequality gap. It feels like a racial thing. Why must we remain poor? You drive from one side of the road to another's community, you see the affluence, you see the poverty. Yes, there are logical reasons for that, you know, um, in terms of managing resources and what, what, what. But still, it doesn't change, and people equate uh, uh, economic gaps with racial uh, differences. Um, so, what in your mind is the key to bridge that? You know, um, um, because we can't leave people in poverty. We can't leave people in that situation. You are creating a problem. You are, you know, and also you can't have the perception that some. Racial groups have it all, and you know that. How do we? Because those lines are very blurred, and the media and the politicians tend to exploit that. How do we deal with that? Yeah, I, I'm. I'm actually gonna give you an opportunity to elaborate on that because you wrote um, a wonderful book on a blueprint, a kingdom blueprint, how we can actually tackle the the issue of corruption. I mean, the issue of poverty especially among the African communities. But I think it also come back, before I give you an opportunity, Arno, it, it, it comes back to the wound. Because the wound is there. And, and if the wound is not healed, you know, um, one of the things about a wound is that wound actually give birth to many wounds. Once you have, you, can, you just need to have one wound. And that wound, the enemy uses to have a foothold in your life. And before you know, you've got so many wounds that you are dealing with. And, and, and that, is, that is the place where we find ourselves, especially as a black people. You know, you've got a wound of, of, of apartheid because, you know, and I think a lot of that also was very politically also pushed 
So you've got that wound and then you've got a freedom and you think, okay, now I've got a freedom. And then um, you, you're sitting with poverty, unemployment. So obviously, the politicians are also using that. Sorry, Peter. You know, I, I remember the story of a pastor who was borrowed a suit. <laughs> he was borrowed a suit and this guy said, Pastor, I know when you preach, you run, you do all these things. Please, this is my very important suit. Don't tear it apart. So every, every time the pastor was trying to jump, the guy says, cool off, Pastor, please. Remember my suit. So, and this is, this is very sad because... The, the enemy is using the wound and also the political uh, people who are taking advantage of that wound, they are just keeping that wound open. And sometimes people don't even have, people don't even think about it. People don't think that you are now in South Africa, in a new South Africa where you have a black government, where they have resources, they've got all these things, then they can empower you. But because that wound is not healed, they keep on pressing on it and say, no, it's not our fault. You know, don't look at the corruption. Yeah, it's, it's those people's fault. And that's where, as the church, we need to move in and to bring that healing. Um, but also, you know, when you bring the healing, uh, you also need to have a blueprint. How to address that as the church. How do we deal with poverty in our communities? And I think that is something that the Lord has really led you into. And if maybe you can just explain to us what is your book all about? What is that blueprint? And how can that become part of the healing process in our communities? Yeah, absolutely, John. Um, um, just to emphasize quickly, um, you know, these wounds, I mean, they are exploited by the enemy. Satan uses those wounds to divide us, and when we are divided, we are a defeated people. Um, when a person is hungry, they experience a wound. Just think about it. It's not just hunger. I, I can't eat. It's a child there that, that, that it's a wound. It is, uh, there's hatred because they stand at a robot or they are at a place and they see the affluence, but for them, it doesn't change. So, John, with this book, it's called The Inclusive Economy. Um, and what I've done is, is I've taken the best of capitalism as a system and I've combined it with Ubuntu principles, which is actually kingdom principles. You know, uh, Ubuntu is, a, is, I know it's politicized, but uh, to give you an example of what Ubuntu means, um, there was this professor who had a bag of sweets. And he said, uh, he was speaking at an at a African village, saying to the children, if the one who runs fastest around that tree can get the sweets. And they were lining up. And he said, ready, steady, go. And they were running. And they went, uh, when they went some distance, they suddenly grabbed hands. And they started running. They went around the tree in one line. They crossed the line here. And the professor was kind of, you know, puzzled, what's going on? Who is the winner? And they said, now we are all winners. Now we can share. You see, there are principles and values that is part of African, the African mindset. Uh, it is very collectivistic. It's the word. The Western thinking is very individualistic. 
But there's more power in collectivism if we can manage that properly. So that book uh, is honestly, I've been on my knees writing it. I've done the research as well and said, Lord, show us the model for Africa. And not just for Africa. This is the answer to the capitalism uh, that, that, that is suffering. Capitalism as a system is eventually self-defeating because it can't solve its, its inequality, poverty, all of those issues. And then on the East, we have a very supposedly su successful socialism with China, which is becoming very attractive to African leaders. So we need the alternative as quickly as possible. So with that book, I've explained how businesses can expand their value chain, where the problems in society, the plastic and the rubbish out there, can be included in your value chain. You create jobs through that. You solve society's crisis, and through that, you create value in the community. You circulate that. Remember the Muslims, how they, they create an economy within an economy. And they circulate the funds among their different businesses. All of these things, if you, it's called the economy of generosity. Yeah. But it's powerful because it's not just, there must be profit making, to be honest. You can't have a system that's not creating value. But you're adding more people in this value chain. And through having a generous approach by the sowing into communities. You create the capacity to invest in one another. It's, it's incredible. And you, there are principles of circularity because our economy has a, is a linear model. We produce, we consume, and we waste. How do we reuse, recycle, re-include it, but through that create opportunities for the poor? So all of these things. And then uh, principles about a collaborative economy, a sharing economy. So inclusivity in that sense is not just about free riding, including for the sake of inclusion. It's productive inclusion. But we need to think further than just my business, what's in my benefit. Um, you know, uh, and that's where the African Ubuntu principles can help us. But Africa has not been able to put it in an economically viable model, sustainable. And uh, with that, I trust, because it's all kingdom principles, all kingdom. I, I, the Joseph model is an example with Joseph storehouses. The Acts model is an example. They sold everything and they, uh, you know, shared. Um, I mean, you can't do that's a short-term solution, but you can invest in one another and generate a return on it and then circulate that through the economy. There are different ways. If our minds are open to rethink our economic system, we will unlock the economic potential. So, John, for me, the church needs to lead the charge. Um, and the church needs to grow in wisdom in terms of how to do it. Because the economy can be a, a, a form of healing to our, to our nation. Businesses can become places of healing in communities. Uh, businesses healing society. So... So all these wounds are related. So just the last thing, what excites me is actually the fact that the fact that we are different opens up a lot of opportunities. When I go to Germany, the Germans think the same way. When I go to Austria, when I go to, you know, but South Africa has a diversity which challenges us because we constantly need to adjust to one another and be culturally so sensitive how can we um, harness this diversity 
and turn it into a win-win situation um, and use it as a power to unlock the full potential in South Africa and in Africa. Yeah, no, it's true. But I don't know, thank you so much for that explanation. Um, I know that one of the things that are very close to your heart is the unity of the church. And, and, and this is one of the, the keys, especially in uniting our nation. We need, to unite our ch- we need to unite the body of Christ. But how do we, I mean, here we are, we are show for church, planted here in George. What are the practical things? What are the walls that we, we need to break in order for us to be able to build those bridges between us as the church and other uh, parts of the, of the body of Christ within the region that God has put us in? So, John, I think um, the church is a quite, you know, and I'm generalizing now, but most churches is fairly well organized. Um, You know, in terms of we've got a few departments, there are people engaged, they are involved, but we are very much focused on spiritual growth, you know, and it's important. Spiritual growth is absolutely important, but you grow even more spiritually when you do things together. When my grouping, my cell group or my whatever one calls it or my men's ministry start becoming an agent of change out there. And I think the time has come to break down the church walls first. Talking about divisions and walls, you know. <laughs> so, so, so those are, that's where we start, you know. Yes, we are a fellowship. We are a community of believers. But the, the, the unlocking for me is really getting us so organized and mobilized to be the healers out there and to target certain things. I mean, men's ministry, there are certain things that, that men can target. I mean, I say, say you guys come, you know, not just target in terms of let's, let's grow in our faith. Let us become, um, uh, you know, like weapons of mass restoration out there. You know, dealing with the issues of men between different cultures, between different racial groups. Um, You know, intentional about, um, you know, being uh, the healers of society. I'm just, uh, this is a scripture I just want to read quickly that that links well to this. uh, 1 Corinthians 12 verse 13. Um, And it says, um, sorry, I just want to get it. For by one spirit, we are all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many, many. We are a microcosm of society at large. Our diversity is a small picture of our community. And that's why I also believe in diverse churches, you know, not just one racial. Let's bring our people together. Let the, because the more we are representative of the realities out there, the better we can address them. So, so, so John, the unity of the church need to translate into, there must be an outflow into our community, bringing people together. You know, sometimes it's praise and worship. Just starting doing a praise and worship in the township. 
You know, when you sing, the people start coming. They start drawing. You know, what are the things that are triggers in our different cultures? And when um, you see, let's say, white people singing and worshiping in the black or colored communities, it speaks. You know, the same thing in, uh, so be intentional about this, this and it's very often linked to territory and spaces. And so let's move into each other's spaces to become those instruments of healing. Um, otherwise, um, you know, uh, we, we remain in our comfort zones. And I think we are at a time in our nation where God is challenging us to get out of our comfort zones. We actually grow more spiritually when we do that than just learning Bible verses and, you know, just a good word. Putting it into practice, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Yes, um, I don't know, we, South Africa is presumably um, considered as a 90%, I mean 80%, 70%, 80% Christians. Yeah. But yet yeah. We, we're sitting with this broken um, nation. Uh, what is the impact of, of, of the church? Or what actually, maybe let's say, what prevent the church to have that impact to change and to transform communities? We yeah. see many churches now being planted and, you yeah. know, many churches in one street in my, in my township, you can find 10 churches in one street. Yeah. You know, there's church everywhere in the community, but we don't really see a tangible, you know, transformation happening. So what would you say is, is the hold up, is something that prevents and hindrance yeah. for the church to have that kind that of That is a very important question, John. Um, you know, just before I answer it, um, somebody said, I think Michael Cassidy, who said the state of a nation is a reflection of the state of the church. Yeah. The state of a nation is a reflection of the state of the church, um, which tells you, and, and I mean, we're not generalizing. Churches are different and, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, you don't want to. But the issue, I think, why we, the church is not making the impact out there that it should is because much of the focus is inward. It's us. When things here are fine, the world is fine. And I think that needs to flip around. If things here are fine, we are ready to change the world. Sure. We are ready to be the change out there. When that mindset kicks in, and let me tell you, it's a mindset. Sure. We need to be renewed in our mind. You know, sometimes we look at churches and want to have healthy churches. But if you have a healthy church and an unhealthy community, there's a problem. And that problem is impact, you know. It can't just be a well of healing here and we want people just to come and, yeah, yeah, it's fine. It must be here that we are mobilized to impact. And, uh, um, and I think as we close, John, I want you to just comment on this because I know um, Romans 8 verse 19 is, um, is, is a strong, uh, something that God called you with. And most of you know Romans 8 19. You know it? Okay. Creation is awaiting yeah. with eager anticipation yeah. for the manifestation of the sons of God. Amen. Okay. Sorry for the ladies. <laughs> no, no, no. Let me explain it to you. The reason why it says sons of God is because spirit has no gender. We are all sons of God, just to be clear. 
And it's not this general gender confusion. It's because spirit has no gender. Sons of God means we are his beloved children. But here's a very interesting verse, John. And I want you to close with this, um, uh, linking up with what I've just said. Um, and talking about bridge building and all of that and being healers in community. Uh, Jesus himself said in Matthew 5 um, verse, verse 9, he said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Come on. That's our purpose. By being peacemakers, we, we grow, we, we rise, time to rise. In our identity yes, in Christ. Yes, yes, Please yes. Share, share your heart you know, on that. In, others, in other part in the scriptures it says, um, For God has given us a peace that surpasses the understanding, not according to the world. I mean, this is very powerful. The world is looking for peace. There are negotiations about peace and people are trying to bring peace. But we know who is the prince of peace. Hallelujah. His name is Jesus. And that Jesus is living inside of us. We are people at peace. We've got the peace of God. And I think that is, that is very powerful that we need to minister from that peace. We need to minister that peace into our communities. And I think that's something that really uh, motivated me in that situation in Seneca. I mean, here is the war. People are coming with, you know, they're ready. They're ready for the war. But what do you do? Do you do it the way the world is doing it? Or do you stand in the confidence that God has given you? In the boldness that God has put? Because the Bible says greater is the one who is in us than the one who is against and out there in the world. And the obedience and faith and believing that God, you can turn these things around. You know, and, and, and I think when I look back um, to that situation, I can really, I'm, so, I'm always so humbled that the spirit of God inside of me, because I can promise you, uh, Arno, I'm not a bold man. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm in many ways very timid. I grew up with self-low esteem. There's no way I could have done what happened there. It was only by the Spirit of God. And you know, once you, you catch that, you realize that, wow, it's not what I can give, it's what He can give through me. And each and every one of us sitting in this place, you've got the same Spirit that is inside of me, that is inside of Arno. And when, the, when, the, when Romans says the whole creation is waiting Amen. in expectation for the sons of God, they are actually waiting for us. There's no other generation that the world is waiting for that generation to, bo to be born than the generation that has born now. We are the remnant. And I just want to say to you, you know, sometimes the enemy will use the wounds and the past and say, you cannot do this. Yes, say to yourself, yes, I cannot. I cannot influence. I cannot make any change. But through the one who is inside of me, I can do it. And I said um, in, our, in our meeting yesterday, and I said to the leaders, you have to accept to be a fool 
Because when you accept to be a fool, that's when God can use you. Because the Bible says he uses the foolish things of this world to, to, to do powerful exploits. Amen? Amen? So you have to say, God, I, I accept to be a fool. I, because that's what they said to me. You know, I remember one friend calling me and said, this is very dangerous what you are doing. People can attack you. They can burn your house because you're taking sides now. You know, that's how they, they're going to look at you. You're taking the white side. You're becoming what they called in the township coconut. <laughs> so I still have to figure out the name that we, I need to call you because I'm, I'm very well known as a coconut. You know, it's like you're black outside and white inside. But that's actually a very good compliment because that's how it should be, you know. I, 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 need to be, I need to be white when I'm with my white brother because I need to love on him, you know. So I don't know what is the fruit that can describe you because I'm coconut, I'm black outside and you're white inside. So what fruit is that? We need to give Arno a name now. <laughs> Teabag. <laughs> White outside and black inside. And, and, you know, and they said, you know, this, this is going to be dangerous for your family. And it actually happened because I actually received some of the threats. You know, they said, you know, somebody will just send an SMS and you know that what this means, you know. And I, that's why I had to even take my family out uh, on the 16th of October because I didn't know what will happen. But the boldness comes from the Holy Spirit. We just have to be available. We just have to raise our hands and say, use me, Lord. There is a song, actually, that says, use me, Lord. Here I am. Use me, Lord. And, and, and I think that is, that is the solution. And, and you Amen, know, it starts in small things, and then we grow from there. Yeah, if I'm called, if I'm called to come in, 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 if there's another issue, I don't know if I will be able to have the same boldness, I'll have to pray about it. But I know that God always have right people at the right place for the right purpose of God to be, to be fulfilled. Sure. Amen, John. And let me just testify as well. Um, I had the wonderful privilege of being invited to speak in Shabbat, um, last just before last year. And uh, um, it was a, it was a, you know, Sharpeville, you know what happened there. I mean, the police, uh, I think 1960, um, I mean, they killed so many people who were coming to that police station, uh, you know, and uh, it was still today deep wounds. And I was, I asked there, um, are there anybody here who survived that attack? And some of the older ladies came forward. And I said to them, um, uh, I asked for a bucket, water, and I asked if I could wash their feet and asked them for forgiveness on behalf of the white people. Amen. 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 And it's not me, but I was doing what is called identificational repentance. On behalf of my people, I said, will you forgive me for what has been done against you? Um, you know, I saw the tears I saw the effect, how everybody there was in tears, and it was like the Lord intervening. 
Um, people, let me tell you, John, what, exactly what you're saying. We need to become more intentional about this. I'm not saying go in and just go wash feet and go, you know, it's not a, there's not a like a formula and just go do this. It is spirit-led. It is, God needs to move us out of our comfort zones. We need to serve one another because it's going to unite this nation like nothing else. And the moment we get united in that diversity, like it says, many body parts, one body, we will change nations. God will use South Africa as a lighthouse to the nations. This thing of racism, this thing of racial tension is our biggest opportunity to change nations, to, to bring this continent in alignment with God's will. Normally what the enemy used most to divide us, God will use to lift us, to rise us up. So we are now uh, also inviting you. We are having an event in Bloemfontein. Um, in uh, beginning of October, 6 to 8 October, we are going to have an event where we're going to unite as the body of Christ. Amen. We're trusting th- that weekend will be the biggest weekend of healing in this nation's history. We are People are coming from all across South Africa. We are calling and they are coming. I mean, I spoke to Pretoria and the people said, listen, we are there. I spoke to people in Soweto. They say, listen, we are, the buses are coming. The pastors are saying we are coming. Uh, this is God's moment in our nation. So please mark this on your calendar. This is part of the body of Christ that is rising. Um, and don't think it's just, oh, it's an event. It's just another thing. There must be a moment where we melt together, where we come and we f- fully unite in the presence of God. And it's not just for the purpose of unifying, it's the purpose of being mobilized, moved into action to change this nation. Because once we are a healed people, we can bring healing. And I believe God wants that moment. So I want to encourage you, we are inviting you. John and I are going to be part of the guys who organized that event uh, at the same place where its time took place. Um, it's, it's, it's just outside Bloemfontein on the N1 we are inviting you. This is the game-changing moment in South Africa. I honestly believe this is the moment where God's people unite and we become the united force that can change South Africa peacefully. So, 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 and uh, we, it's part of the whole Time to Rise initiative. There at the bottom right, you'll see an email address, Time to Rise SA. We want, I want to encourage you, just send the email They'll send you some information. In the coming months, you're going to hear more about this. This is God raising up his people for a mighty purpose in this nation. Old, young, uh, people from all races, coloreds, um, and uh, um, the, those who have the heart of God, we need to unite first and then bring the nation together. We are uniting for change. Uh, God needs, uh, South Africa needs a divine intervention And it's going to come through the unity of the body of Christ. Jesus prayed this in John 17. And I'm closing with this. He said, Father, let them be one as we are one. So that the world can believe that you've sent me. The world will sit up straight and take note of Jesus being the Savior. 
when the body of Christ unites. It's the one thing that no other, even party or grouping, nobody's expecting Christians to unite. It is going to be the biggest surprise in the history of South Africa. So take this fully serious. The time has come. And uh, what we are doing, I want to, we want to encourage you, do this in your communities, all across. Reach out, because the, there's nothing stronger than, um, than when healing sets in, it unifies people. We humble ourselves. I, I serve my brother, he serves me, together we serve. Um, and through that, Jesus is revealed. Jesus is glorified. And people say, only God can do this. Do you believe this? Do you believe it? So let's, let's just stand and let's come just before the Lord. I wanna, we want to do a prayer and uh, just pray that God will release a spirit of healing in our nation. That he will raise up his people to be instruments of healing. To not just sit back and wait for things to happen, but to say, Lord, I'm going to move there where it's uncomfortable, where it challenges me um, to be your hands and feet. And... The face of Jesus, exactly what John said. The face of Jesus. Will they experience God through what you are doing?